0: And welcome to With the First Link, the podcast that hopes to make our future as bright and as just as the one that we see in Star Trek The Next Generation. And one way that we want to do that is by recapping and discussing the entire series, one episode at a time, doing our best to look at it all through an anti-oppression, pro-diversity, anti-racist lens. I am Ruthie Kauper-Samoshi.
1: And I'm Matthew Simone, and today we'll be talking about data lore. This episode was written by Robert Lewin and Maurice Hurley and directed by Rob Bowen. It first aired on January 16th, 1988.
0: For today's check-in, let's talk about family.
1: Do you have an evil sibling? Is that why you're bringing this up?
0: I don't have an evil sibling. I have a great sibling.
1: (laughs) A long-lost evil sibling (laughs) that you found in in basically like a container shelf one day?
0: Uh, That is not an experience I've ever had, but I I do have uh, experience with... Thinking about, I think like like family of origin versus chosen or or like created family.
1: There's a lot of that in Star Trek. I yeah, hear.
0: I think. I mean, we we saw with with Troy a few episodes ago with her mom and how she was really making a life for herself separate from her mother and her heritage, as as her mother uh, called it. And she was thinking that her Starfleet life was was taking over, and that was what was important to her. And now we're seeing it with Data in this episode.
1: In fact, now that I think about it, I never really thought about this until we had this conversation just now. But I think I was first introduced to the whole concept of Chosen Family through Star Trek. Oh, okay. Walk, watching it as a young person. And I didn't always feel super well fed fit into the rest of my family when i was younger there were a few individuals in the family that i connected well with i think i always was looked at that notion of chosen family in star trek and thought well my family must be out there somewhere right i'll find eventually right that once i left home and i began to travel or you know went to school that i would find people that i connected with and that together we would do things together like Basically, explore the universe, right. you know, kind of thing. But you know that we would we would find our our purpose together, and we would accomplish it together, and and that you would find like your team or your chosen family or your crew. Right.
0: So I I didn't have quite the same experience. I definitely felt connected in a lot of ways to my family of origin. Um, I felt like I had a lot of security, uh, there. But I also have, as I've just gotten older, I think I've really seen that that I don't think this is a fact about my family in particular but I think like we've got really I think societally we have very narrow views of what family is and like who is responsible to whom and I mean I think you know when you when you take on the responsibility of like having and raising children like that is a really important responsibility and you you are responsible for for you know for your children's well-being when they're when they're young and that's important but also I think we need to broaden that idea of like caretaking and especially living through uh, these current times like we can't have such harsh boundaries between who is family and who is not because the all of our well-being depends on like all of our well-being and I feel like those ideas of, like, who is family and who's not and, and of, like, family of origin being so important, I I can't say this for a fact. I haven't looked into it, but I'm going to guess those are, like, colonial ideas.
1: Oh, <laughs> like, yes.
0: Like, I, that's, that's an idea of, like, a, it just seems to tie right in with, like, racism and and classism and where you come from being so important and and heteronormative
1: actually i saw an article someone sent me an article recently and i wonder if i can go back and find it so i can cite the author but it talked about notions of even being a family of one huh and how especially right now when some of us are isolated and spend a lot of our times alone that you can still be a family of of one you might be a family of you and your houseplants Or a family of you and your cats or your pets. Right. And that that is okay. And then also that it changed, it challenged the reader to change the concept of self care in the sense that when you are cooking for yourself or cleaning your own place, you're still doing that for yourself, who is a family and you're a family member. And not to think of it as, as then just caring for a self, but caring for, still a complete being that is still connected in some way to a feeling or sense of family, either just to their own place and home or to the things that they care for in that place, including mm, themselves. That's
0: nice. I like that.
1: It changed the whole notion of how I thought about cooking, actually, because I was like, I, I like cooking for people. I don't like cooking for myself. But I was like, well, if I can consider myself part of a, an enclosed family unit here in my house with my house Um and Charles, who's my uh, puppet elephant that I'll introduce one day <laughs> to everyone. That I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I am cooking for a family member. Yeah. It, it, no, no, it just it changed the attitude I had about about coming home and making a meal at the end of That's the day. That's
0: nice. Yeah. I, I've also been thinking of family recently with like, not to like bring us all down, but I have in the last like several months experienced a fair bit of, I well, a fair bit, I experienced some uh, death in, in my family, not at all COVID related, but I have a lot of... <laughs> I had a lot of very old relatives and that happens when when you've got a lot of old old relatives. But through because we're, we've been living in such isolating times, we we connected with each other over Zoom or like other online platforms in ways that we might not have if these relatives had passed away two years ago. And I'm just sort of thinking of like in this episode, and we'll certainly get into this later, but like data has such a a drive to f- to learn about his history and to find a connection to the family that he came from and i understand that and i've certainly felt as i've been thinking about the connections and 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 reaching out across the internet to sort of more distant family members that i i don't have a close connection to but seeing through these connections that that we've been making like seeing certain similarities between say like my my grandmother and her cousins who like like one thing that I, I noticed a few years ago and I noticed it again through this is like there there is a there was a resemblance in like there was like a family resemblance in how they decorated their houses. And so I think that that having those connections is so can feel so so important and so comforting. And at the same time it's it's so important to It's so important to me that that's not my only family, and that's not the only connection that I have. Like, I think it's really necessary to have like to have family as like a a broad network, as opposed to like a you know one one string that you come from.
1: I think the thing that made me the most disappointed as I grew older and trying to maintain connections with the people I met is that we. We didn't have an opportunity to celebrate those connections through common purpose like we did in Star Mm -hmm. Trek. I think that's – I'm going to blame capitalism for that because we all go off after we leave home or even graduate from school. Because I I think I did feel that connection to people and common purpose in university. I think it's why a lot of people have such a great time living in residence. Uh, Why I spent so much time working professionally in residence life at a university is because it was a a community working toward common goals. And at the end of the day, we we were all together working toward those common goals. And it was the closest I think I could find to Starfleet without going into the military, which I wasn't comfortable doing. Fair enough. But people could – that you could explore together, travel together, learn together, grow together before we all end up just kind of more isolated on our own. Yeah. And of course, as you know, to my previous point, I think you can still find connection and family with yourself that way. But I thought we would all just have more common purpose as a society. At least that's what I hoped we would find growing up watching Star Trek is that, oh, society is moving toward this thing where we're going to have these common goals of exploring and growing and and learning together. And that is not, that doesn't seem to be where our society (laughs) is focused.
0: Yeah, it's not. (laughs) I agree. I think like, I've also always found, so since I was quite young, like I never had one group, but I always, I always had friends who were like a couple people from various different core groups. And I've, I've also felt that, yeah, like, am I ever going to find my, my group, my people? I've sort of throughout my life, I feel like I've had this realization many times and it, it, I go through waves of, like, I don't have, like, my core group that are my people. That it's just, like, I think a fact about who I am and the kind of person that I am, that I've got these, like, different groups that I have, you know, closer bonds with with some members of and not as close bonds with with other members. And in some ways that's hard because it means that I don't have this, like, ready-made network to just sort of rely on when I need needed. But in other ways, I think it's kind of nice because the connections that I have in in a lot of ways are like, like those are the connections that I need. Those are the kind, I don't, need. I don't know. I've always, I've never been comfortable with like a large group in the way that I am with people one-on-one or in in really small groups. So like, I I definitely feel that, like I don't always feel with like, you know, all of my buddies and I are working towards a common purpose, but I also feel like we're all working towards our own purposes and maybe that's maybe that's better.
1: And we get to see both in the show. Yeah. We get to see the times where the Enterprise is on a greater mission and then you have some episodes that are focused on the individuals and their own personal growth and development. That's basically what we see in this episode. Yeah. And I wonder if there's times like that in her own lives where it's like, okay, no, this is one of the episodes that's focusing on us as a group. Maybe that's your workplace and you're accomplishing something together or right. working on a creative project with other people. And then there's other times where you're like, no, this, is, this, this episode is about me today. Like whatever, <laughs> the one-off episode about, about Matthew yeah. and his, his adventure yeah. in Omicron Theta or whatever.
0: All right. Should we, should we get into data lore?
1: In this episode, the Enterprise crew visit Omicron Theta, Data's first home, and end up finding his brother.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. By brother, maybe we mean evil twin. Hard to know.
1: Don't give it away. Don't spoil <laughs> it, Ruthie. Spoilers. And maybe, maybe he's not evil. He's just been designed poorly. We don't know.
0: Let, yeah, we'll talk about that for sure.
1: They're in Omicron Theta. They decide to visit the planet to learn more about Data's origins.
0: You know, I, I kind of like that. It's a decision that the captain just makes. It's they're in they're near Omicron Theta for different reasons, but they're mm. like, while we're here, let's let's learn more about Data's history.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the only functional artificial intelligence known in the galaxy. I think at this point in Star Trek lore, so yeah. it makes sense they want to learn learn more about him. Yeah, and so Data's not on the bridge, and Wesley goes to get him and finds him practicing sneezing in his quarters. And these sneezes are so funny because they're not. They're so rehearsed sounding. Like he's like, ah, a chew, chew. I love it's.
0: What I really like is that he sometimes actually gets the the first part. Like sometimes he really looks like he's gonna sneeze, and then the like, chew just comes out so badly.
1: It's such a nice, innocent contrast to everything that's about to play out in the rest of the episode. I
0: love it. It's so good.
1: This this planet has been basically stripped of vegetation. Like, there's no living biological material left on the planet. Yeah. And I, it's kind of interesting that they, they set it up that way because then there's this tone then that the only thing that would be left on the planet. We don't learn a lot about what's what's killed it at right. this point, but they can't, the planet's been stripped of all biological material, which means that if there were any life on the planet, it has to be artificial in nature. Like it's yeah. the only life that could survive or be on the planet. Right. It's a setup for Data this way, that like he's the only living thing that could be or have survived on this world.
0: We also learn that Data like holds memories of the former colonists of this planet. Not like every experience they had, but it feels like... Like, I don't know, like they uploaded their like logs and journals or something into him. Like it's it's not, it's never fully explained, but he ha- he has their accumulated knowledge.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's, it's not like their memory patterns or their brain scans. I mean, they get no. into that in Star Trek later, but that's, I always wondered if that's what was kind of going on. But yeah, you're right. It sounds more like it's like journal entries and log entries and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so they got an away team, uh, Data, Riker, LaForge, Yar and Worf, flee for the planet. The captain says he wants to go but that his first officer wouldn't let him. So we have this is a little bit of a callback to the first episode.
1: That classic Riker-Picard dynamic. Picard can't have any fun.
0: He can't. And I mean, Riker ma- makes a good point. He's like an entire colony disappeared. So no, I'm not going to send the captain down yeah. there. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Everything is dead. There's no soil bacteria.
1: Yeah, completely lifeless world.
0: Yeah. And, and basically, so I, I'm one thing that, that I'm not... Super clear on is like the timeline of the events described in this episode. So Geordi says that everything on the planet was dead or dying when Data was found, which was like 26 years earlier. And when Data was found, they say that the the landing party of the Tripoli, they reported farmlands. So I guess when Data was found, there was still life, but it was dying life.
1: Or damaged or something.
0: Yeah, it was not not going to be around for much longer. So this landing party found data lying on a platform covered with a layer of dust,
1: and they go to that place, right? They find yeah. that very place that data has been recovered from,
0: yeah. And that and their
1: presence activated him automatically, I suppose.
0: Exactly, yeah. The yeah, the landing party they had like a signal that activated him, and as they're there, they find a platform. They find the platform where he was where he was lying. Uh, Tasha Yar calls it his his birthplace, and Jordy discovers like a hidden cave in. Like right near that platform. So the rock face kind of pushes back, it makes a door, and there's like a huge compound.
1: And looks like this is probably where data was manufactured.
0: Yeah. And and also like it it becomes clear and data sort of remembers that this was a hiding place and that the colonists were worried that they were gonna be discovered, and that's why he's got all of their
1: their knowledge. And how he was created by Doctor Noonien Sung.
0: Well, we don't find that out yet. We learn about Doctor Noonien Sung, but later on, uh, we we learn that that he actually was the one to create to create them. Noonien Sung at this point is a sort of what's the word like a
1: reclusive, yeah, legend like he, scientist. He,
0: he wanted to make Asimov's positronic brain a reality, but he was never able to. So he left Earth and continued his work, and we will later find out in the episode that he succeeded in creating a positronic brain, which was, uh, which was creating Data's brain. Do you know the story of and Soong, like from Roddenberry's perspective? Have you heard of it?
1: No, I didn't know that there was a story.
0: Okay, so you may have noticed that Noonien Soong sounds very similar to Khan Noonien Singh,
1: Yes, I did uh, notice that. Yeah, which is the Wrath of Khan. From Wrath yeah. of Khan, right. So
0: I did a little bit of Googling and I apparently, Gene Roddenberry had a like a, an army buddy who had a similar name, like something like Nunian Singh or something. And he lost contact with this person after, I guess, World War II.
1: Okay. Was this a way to do a call out to like a lost friend?
0: Yeah, that he he wanted to, He so he like put his name in a couple times. I don't think he ever found him. Um, but, Uh, but he, yeah, he wanted to, so he was like, maybe if I just keep putting the name Noonie. Variants
1: of the, of the, of the form of the name.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of nice.
1: This is, those, these are the days before Facebook, Ruthie.
0: Exactly. People up online
1: this old, is what you did we created an entire television show to try to reconnect <laughs> Just to with my find
0: friend. one person yeah. yeah so yeah they but they find this like massive work area Riker uses the word reconnoiter which i don't think i've ever heard in any other context no um but he tells tasha and Worf to reconnoiter these hallways in the tunnels but then they find molds that fit data's face and body yeah, he, like
1: holds it right up to his face and he's like this is this is my face
0: is it, and it it one hundred percent is his face, and then they find a really like foggy storage area. I don't know. Yeah, I was got, wondering. Like, I ice. was
1: like, do they have to keep Laura in a refrigerator? Like, is he is this a way to preserve him? I was wondering why it was foggy. Obviously, it's for it's for dramatic reveal purposes, and that's fine. Yeah,
0: they find um, um, parts, pieces, pieces of of what looks just like data, except the hair does not look a thing like Brett Spiner's hair. But no, it's okay. it's.
1: It's a mold, but it's cool. I, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was <laughs> we, well done. We played um, along with it. We're like, for yeah. sure,
0: for sure. Um, and I I like how Data like Riker at one point is like, well, we don't know if this if whatever this is can become alive, and Data says, well, it's very important to me that we find out.
1: And Riker's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah, he wants to, and this is something I love about Data's character that each time. Well, we're going to get into that more in future episodes, but in this one in particular, it's important for him to know whether or not he's the only one of his kind in the entire universe. Yeah, And so as this kind of goes back to our our previous conversation, obviously Mm -hmm. Data's connection to the crew is important to him, but the fact that he might have an actual family member. Yeah. I was going to say biological family, but I don't know what you would call it in this case. Um, family of origin. Technological family or family of origin. <laughs> technological then, family. Technological yeah. family, then he would want, he wants to know.
0: Yeah. So they they bring all the pieces up onto the ship and we see Chief Argyle again. Remember yes, him? Yes, do.
1: Yeah, Chief yes. Our Chief Argyle and the other engineers and doctors are, try- what I thought was always funny about this scene is they have all these people involved in the reconstruction and assembly of the robot. And I was like, isn't it really clear where all the pieces go? <laughs> like where there's there's literally a torso, a head and four limbs. And there's like all these scientists like crowded around like, where does the arm go? We is this a left know. arm or a right <laughs> arm? Which, which one is it? Like, and like, and the pieces are slotted. Like if there were wires hanging out all over the place and they had been like damaged and they have to like splice stuff together. But it literally just looks like things go into a slot. <laughs> and I'm like, why do they need all these people to figure this out? That Anyways, is really matter. funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. They talk about how like I mean, it, it seems that it's it's not just about putting the, the body together, but also, like, making it go. And they've they've all got these, like, little instruments that make a sound that manage, manages to be both, like, mechanical and, like, liquidy at the same time. They're little instruments.
1: Probe things. Yeah. So yep. I don't
0: know if that's, like, they're doing something inside the limbs. Because it, what it looks like is that they're just holding them up to, like, a solid piece of plastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah and they're they're talking about it all very mechanically in nature which you know i think happens to us sometimes with this way we feel uh, in a sense like dissected by by medical procedures that seem unempathetic to our nature as people and individuals and i think picard kind of calls that out at this point right because they're all they're all above them talking and he says well he's like well we're we're machines as well we're just merely machines of a different variety and in our case we're electrochemical in nature and i thought that was that was a good point
0: yeah, I like that, and Riker is just so impressed with him for saying this. I love when Riker is impressed by Picard.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah, you can totally tell, especially in these older episodes, and we and we've we talked about this in previous ones too, where like Riker really looks up to Picard. He's like, this yeah. is my role model. I want to be just like him when I become a captain.
0: He does, yeah. And so they talk, Riker and uh, La and Picard and Data kind of talk about what are what are questions that that we all have about any of this and one thing that data wonders is like why was i given human form
1: Actually, if you're going to build a machine or a robot there are probably forms that we way more efficient than a human form would be right
0: so there's something else yeah and geordi i think says oh well probably so humans could relate to you Mm -hmm. and they picard also talks about how like previous human shaped robots were sort of clumsy and and data was created he's clearly not clumsy right that
1: we have those now yeah
0: Yep, we've Clums, got them. Cl-
1: yeah it's like those boston dynamic robots that they have like scenes of people kicking and pushing over and see if they could stay balanced and stuff
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> just appealing to the best of humanity
1: right i know and i was like i was wondering sometimes from watching shows like this where you grow up and you're like no like these are people they yeah. you know like when especially if they become intelligent you're like no they should have rights as us and then you this watch it how the Cylon over.
0: uprising <laughs> yeah. starts
1: and i'm like this is why i feel so sad is because i've watched star trek don't kick over yeah. these little robot people
0: they talk also about one thing that they found in the, the compound, which was like people running away from Stary a snowflake. Scary Yeah, children's yeah. drawings of, of a snowflake. So again, like I'm super confused about the timing of what's going on here. Did the snowflake come sometimes and they hid?
1: Right, yeah, because if the entity in question had destroyed everything, then who would be around to make drawings? And did they hide in the caves with that part of the upload to data? It's yeah, it's not really super, it's clear, not super clear. It's not super clear. At the very least, we know that something cataclysmic happened in the past that had destroyed the planet.
0: Right. And then Crusher calls Data back to the lab and basically they need to take him apart a little bit. They don't want to fully disassemble him, but they need to look inside him to see Mm -hmm. how to set up this where update. the arms and legs Android. go yeah exactly
1: data where are your legs how do they yeah, attach let's
0: let's look we can't see <laughs> we need to take you apart to see but one thing that he shows her is that he has like basically an off switch right she promises not to tell anyone about it he says if you had an off switch doctor would you not keep it secret
1: oh uh, yeah i think that's a really that's a very vulnerable and personal thing yeah right so if you had a switch that someone could come and just shut you off and yeah i so i i totally get that Totally. It also is an interesting element to Data in that he has privacy. Yep. Watching through the episodes again and realizing this is one of the first times that they show that, that Data still has a personal life. He has privacy. There are things that he does choose to keep from people for a reason. And that's another element that makes him more human.
0: Yeah. We get a, a little bit of a magnified inside look at Data. I think they use the word microcircuitry, which sounds very scientific.
1: Yes. Yeah, just- um Circuitry it's small very small it's circuitry small. Yeah. <laughs> We have that now I guess so yeah it makes sense.
0: And then they they've got this double of data lying on this lab table. Picard and Riker show up and they sort of muse over which one of them was made first
1: and one of them comes to life.
0: Yeah, he comes to life and he says the data was made first, but he was imperfect. so this new this other one, whose name is Lore, was created to replace him. And then his face twitches.
1: So it's it's such a brilliant line because right from the start, we're introduced to this idea that Lore is a challenge to Data and that he himself is challenging Data's perfection or existence.
0: So my knowledge of Star Trek came... Not from watching the episodes in order, right? Because I, you know, I watch them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing this episode for the first time?
1: Probably not. No, a lot no. of, I mean, my whole, my entire childhood is all Star Trek. So to try to, <laughs> to try to determine where like one, there's no first or last. It was just always. Right. It was just like I, always there. I don't have memories without having seen Star Trek.
0: This is the thing. Like I don't, I don't remember like first Learning about this. So I yeah. don't, I don't know. Do you think the audience was supposed to believe that data was created first and that Laura was created to replace him? Or do you think we were supposed to know that this was a lie? Cause we find out not long after that it was false.
1: You could kind of pick up the way the music, the tone like comes in here and is that there's something mysterious and maybe. Uh, manipulative about this character as soon as they come alive and then if you have watched star trek ever before whatever people's like supposed (laughs) doubles or opposites (laughs) show up there's usually something wrong with them (laughs) either they're coming from like an alternate universe or whatever or they've been split in half by the transporter or they have a goatee so the the other version of them is usually there's something sinister about them so i don't think anyone watching this would be like oh he's probably just fine and they're gonna get along now and like play violin together and stuff like it's not probably not gonna happen that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So Data has a meeting with Picard, and he points out, quite rightly, that Picard and everyone else has been calling uh, Lore it. Yes. And he's like, you saying that shows that you think I fall into that category, too. Yes. And it's interesting, like, Picard apologizes, but I don't, I would have liked to have seen more, rather than just being, he's like, ah, I see your point, sorry. But I would have, you know, like, I didn't see a lot of reflection on that. Which I would have appreciated.
1: This is like the um but I have friends that are kind of yeah, statement. You know, kinda, it's like yeah. so it's like I accept you because you have this personal relationship with me, but your kind, as mm-hmm. I categorize in my head, I would still see another way. Yeah. And so I think it's it's right that data points this out.
0: It is. Absolutely. He also assures Picard that he is loyal to Starfleet, not to this new brother, I guess, is what they're yeah. gonna call each other. Then they go on to the bridge. And Wesley and LaForge are showing Lore how to pilot the ship. And Lore is sort of pretending that this is all new. And he's like, oh, this is how it goes. And this is how it goes. And then Riker kind of tricks him and says in the the square of the hypotenuse is equal to and and he gives the pythagorean theorem and then kind of stops himself and is like oh yeah i, I learned that once but i don't i never understood I heard that it. Once, yeah. but and then data data's like well okay yeah you'll learn all of this once the captain has approved you being on the bridge but like why were all of them allowing him to be on the bridge if this wasn't approved by the captain like
1: the enterprise has terrible security <laughs> protocols
0: like which is is
1: clear yeah which is also clear in how it's so easy to steal a shuttle craft on the enterprise i don't know how many episodes are going to come up where like (laughs) we have an unauthorized shuttle launch or there's an unauthorized transporter i was like i can't even log into windows without like a proper password (laughs) why are people just allowed to do whatever they want on the enterprise
0: data and lore get off to a difficult start like lore talks about you know how he he likes to please humans and and data's like yep he's he's superior in that way like i feel like data is jealous
1: oh that's interesting yeah, i hadn't thought of it that way yeah and in, in the sense that like their superiority is determined by how well they can mimic human nature yeah and oh that that's That's an interesting point, because with Data, it's something that he sincerely wants to do in order to empathize and connect with people. But with Lore, as we, you know, as we start to find, and as we have already seen with him on the bridge, it's more to manipulate and deceive.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Whoa. Yeah, totally.
0: Like, Lore is kind of, I use the word, like, simpery, which I don't mean to hearken to the word simp, but, like, simper, like, that he's like, hmm, oh, hmm, interesting, brother, hmm, and... Data is just like okay, something's going yeah. on here, and I feel like there's also a certain amount of manipulation is not something that comes easily to data. Like it's it's clearly is not in his programming, no. and he's. I, I feel like he is seeing it and doesn't fully know how. Like he can't fully put his finger on what's going on, but he's seeing that there's something not right happening.
1: The way that they they play it is really is quite good because Mm -hmm. he expresses almost like like a confusion like why why would you behave this way like what is your motivation for behaving this way especially if if they're coming from the same source or from the same origin maybe it's confusing to him because he's thinking well i've got these programs and these things that are instilled in me to make me who i am to make me ethical to make me honest when they compare that origin again looking at at sung yeah lore calls him often wrong yeah and then shares that this is like this is the origin of data's brain and his positronic brain but he doesn't have the respect for Sung. lore like hates his father basically
0: yeah so they they go to to data's quarters and and data's looking up Sung, and this is when lore tells him that no we've he made his positronic brain uh and we we each have one Right. And then they kind of they talk and you can see there's a lot of hostility that Lore has about Sung. And then he also he, he asks Data, like, Will I get a uniform like that soon? And Data talks about how he got it, like by going to the academy and serving as an ensign and then a lieutenant junior grade. And Lore says that this is a system designed to compensate for limited human ability. That he and Data can be much better than humans. And, th- and right. that, for some reason, that is when Data is like, okay, also, can you tell me which one of us actually was created first?
1: Yeah, he starts picking up on it, that that maybe this isn't true.
0: Yeah. And it's, okay, so here, okay, I've got some thoughts on what okay. what happens here. Yeah, so first, so what Lore says is that he, Lore, was actually created first, but he says he was so perfect,
1: yeah, yeah like that overly the perfect.
0: Yeah, the colonists became envious and asked Soon to take him apart and make a new version that was less perfect. So to make this less perfect data. So I have a couple of thoughts about this. I first, I feel like this is very much set up as a like a Frankenstein kind of story. Wow, ever, I I've
1: never thought of it like that, but yeah, now oh, that you really? say it, that that seems completely obvious that that's that's what this is like. Yeah,
0: I also kind of want to unpack that a little bit because it's been a while since it's, I've read Frankenstein. It's like an
1: opposite side of it, almost. Yeah, an inversion of that idea.
0: Well, I f- I feel like lore is claiming that that's what it is because in in the in the the book Fra- Frankenstein creates, he wants to create life, so he creates like a I don't know if. I don't want to use the word monster, but he creates life. He creates a a person out of out of dead people and brings it to life. And mm-hmm. then he's so terrified by what he has created that he like runs away and wants to kill it. And and then the whole the whole point of Frankenstein is like you know this thing that that everyone's calling a monster just it's wants, persecuted basically. Yeah, ju- and and like he was created by the very person who's like leading the charge to kill him basically. Yeah. That's that's in the in the story of Frankenstein. And that's kind of seems to be what Lore is claiming that he was created but but everyone was afraid of him because he was so perfect. Right. So they they wanted to take him apart and but I I mean let's just look at what we see of Lore. Do you think it was that he was so perfect or do you think it was that he was like kind of evil? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the character is so driven by ego and ambition. Yeah. That likely he is not credible. And also we've already seen him trying to deceive the crew members. Right. And so there's there's probably a, is an opposite is that what's likely true as I think you start to pull out from this is that he's he's actually jealous of Data that mm-hmm. Data was allowed to live to survive to to live with the colonists wasn't seen as a threat he's changed he's changed the story he's created a new narrative
0: i feel like there is a way that you could see this where Lor- the reason lore is so evil is that he was Taken apart and and th- cause this is the other part, is that okay, so so maybe he was dangerous and so they took him apart. But is that okay? Like, when you create life, do you then just have the option of being like, mm, that didn't work out the way I wanted to? Scrap this one, I'm gonna make a new one.
1: So in that sense, are we repeating the mistake that Picard was making earlier by calling life it or this creation yeah. an it? And I don't I don't know how to answer that question. Mm. Like if I would Because I'm trying to, I'm putting myself on the side of Data as a viewer of the show and, and which instills in us so much that Data is a person. Yeah. That he is not, he's not property. He's not, he's not just a machine, that he is an entity, he's a real life person. On the other side, if I had created one of these robots or androids, turned out like lore and was causing damage and destruction and chaos, would I feel responsible to deactivate them? And I, part of me would feel that way as well, right? that's a tricky one uh, and I think this is one of those things that always comes about with AI in what we want it to be alive but if it malfunctions can we just shut it off
0: yeah yeah what what is our responsibility there to mm-hmm. to each other and to our creation if we if we create artificial life it's still life right yeah lore starts to sort of change his demeanor and get a little more openly hostile. I feel he kind of derides Data's ability to use contractions or understand humor yeah. he's really you like- say
1: cannot and <laughs> is not <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is not a hundred percent true
1: there's a couple of youtube videos where they they'll catch that some of the edits where, yeah, where data yeah. accidentally uses contractions but we'll, we'll look past that's, that. that's okay, okay. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> none of
0: us is perfect it,
1: it would be hard to do that all the time yeah. for your entire acting career yeah. for seven so years although you know
0: one thing i did read was that in creating this episode they came up with that and then they were like oh well we haven't we haven't had that be the case in the past. So are we going to make this true or or not? And uh, Brent Spiner was like, we're not going to film another scene with me until we've made this decision. <laughs> so figure it out.
1: Well, yeah, because otherwise <laughs> it'll be completely inconsistent. <laughs> totally. and, and, people, and then once it's on Netflix and everyone can watch the um, yeah, episodes over back, back and back, they are going to it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Data leaves Lauren his quarters. I don't understand. He's like, yeah, you can use the computer terminal to do whatever you want. But does that mean he has, like, all... Are there any passwords here? Like, we just talked about how security yeah, is this, terrible. This security
1: is so lax on the ship.
0: Yeah, like, he's just, he's like, yeah, use, use the ship's computer to do whatever you want.
1: I do like that in the future, even on the flagship, that everyone is just so trusting. Maybe that's why, like, when guests and stuff come, like... We we just give you full access to everything unless you try to do stuff that's bad. You know, how could this
0: possibly something. blow up in our faces? Yeah, yeah. How,
1: yeah, how could this go <laughs> wrong? It's Captain, yeah. someone stole a shuttle crafting it. I don't know how this happened.
0: <laughs> no, there's nothing nothing wrong that we're doing. That can't be no, it. It's <laughs> I mean, them, yeah. <laughs> Lore gives a report on the uh, crystalline entity which destroyed all of the life on the planet. Data hadn't been activated at this point. lore was disassembled, so this is interesting they they kind of imply that that's why they're they were safe. but also, I feel like your point from earlier is also important that, like they were artificial life, so yeah, they they were, they were safe for that reason
1: do they they I don't I can't remember if they get into the nature of the entity at this point, but that it's it basically like as based on the drawings it's it's a giant crystal, yeah structure, and that it it basically just devours. Artificial or uh, biological life just sucks planets dry and then moves on to the next place.
0: Then they notice that that Lore has left Data's quarters and he uh, went to deck four to examine some micro miniature work tools and some fine grind quadratanium, which Data says is not suspicious, but he'll check it out anyhow. And I kind of like there's this little scene where Yar asks, like, do we trust Data now? And Picard says, yes. But he also says very clearly, like, no one give her a hard time for asking me that. <laughs> that was an important question.
1: Right. There's, like, a moment of awkwardness in the observation lounge and everyone's like, uh, wait a second. They're like, yeah. nope, that was a totally legit question. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, <laughs> nobody nobody bugged the chief of security for doing her job, please.
1: And I think Data mentions that with respect to the Quadratanium that it's, he said it's like ointment, basically. It's something, yeah, like, there's he's nothing probably just looking looking Weird. for something to correct. And yeah. it looks like it's probably going to be the twitch that he'd, he'd had in his face.
0: But he also we see so so Data finds Laura Lore and Laura's Lore like pouring champagne and he puts a little something in it. He puts yeah, a little... Yeah, he
1: spikes the drink.
0: Spikes Data's drink. He he cheers, he decides to cheers Data. He gives him the spiked champagne and let's let's toast to each other and then data sort of like slowly starts to lose consciousness and then Laura's toast gets more and more sinister and he's like, let's toast our wonderful creator soon for basically he says like providing providing you with me an exact match for my my intellect and and physical yeah. form. And then he toasts the crystal entity and tells us, thank goodness he explains it to us because you know otherwise <laughs> we wouldn't know that he learned to communicate. With the entity, and he revealed the way to the colonists. So I guess I this I guess the the entity was like looking around the planet for something or for people, and they were hiding in those caves. And then Laura learned to communicate with it, and was like, "You can find them in this cave," and that's how they all died. This is my guess.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I I had figured what had happened is he knows he knows the crystalline entity is wandering around the galaxy looking for food, and he's like, "Hey, come here. There's all kinds of things you can eat." so that the even like the initial the very attack on the planet itself oh, was was, was instigated by lore
0: but they had they had this hiding place like that the whole thing at the beginning with the with the compound was jordy was like oh, this was created to look like a natural formation in the in the rocks, but it's actually an entrance.
1: This is to your point earlier that the timeline is not entirely yeah. clear. So yeah. I, I always just assume that it was the worst of the two options just to make sure that you knew that Lore was really, really useful, <laughs> that he led to the destruction of the entire planet. This is the second time also now that we've seen data influenced or affected by something chemical in nature.
0: Oh, yeah, because in like the, the water earlier- gravity
1: yeah water, yeah, gravity water that you get drunk on, and then, in this case, that he's essentially poisoned, so we know that there is something chemical in nature to their bodies that makes that possible,
0: yeah. We don't know what it is. We'll never no, find
1: out. And that's fine.
0: Worf on the bridge sees that Data is communicating on a subspace channel. So like they, they surveil each other's communications, but they also allow guests to just have unencumbered access to the ship. So Yeah, that
1: was, that's the trade-off. We're not going to put you hazards on anything, but we're going to watch everything you do.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. There's
1: probably outbound communications is something that's easier to monitor on a ship, I suppose. Basically, Worf, like he hears the Facebook call ring on yeah, his on his yeah. panel, like the, yeah, he's like, oh, he's like oh someone's calling. But like, do
0: you I, I, and then subspace is like, does subspace mean secret? I don't even know. Like, could that could you just be like calling your mom and? Well,
1: subspace subspace is the uh, dimensional layer under normal space on which faster than light travel is possible. So okay, when so you communicate on subspace, that's super high speed. So there's no time delay, and that's also what the Enterprise goes through when it travels at warp speed.
0: Right. So basically, warp. Knows whenever anyone sends like an email home,
1: yeah, I'm ge- yeah, I guess so. <laughs> although there there's it seems to be there's like kind of wavering standards as to whether or not it's okay to read those messages from people <laughs> yeah. depending on the episode, but yeah, you won't totally. get into that right now, totally. yeah. you've uncovered a surveillance state in the Federation. Yeah, I never thought it's of it that weird. way oh, no. it's a
0: little oh, weird. No. Anyway, Lore is in Data's uniform, and he's communicating with the the crystal, and uh, Wesley has been sent to check in on Data discreetly, and I – okay, Wesley is smart, I will give you that, but he is not discreet. He is far too earnest to be discreet.
1: He figures that something's up, and unfortunately, they're going to play off a lot of, like, we're not going to listen to kids, and yeah. we have to stretch out the drama, and the adults are dumb
0: yeah. kind of Once trope
1: here, but Yeah.
0: But he is not discreet, and he he basically like tells Lore because Lore does his the his facial twitch, and he's like, oh look, I'm because he's pretending to be Data. He's like, oh, I'm practicing Lore's facial twitch, and right. Wesley's like, I wouldn't try imitating him. And also, if you had used a contraction, I would have thought that you were Lore. So he's basically like, listen, if you want to imitate Data, here's how to do it better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here's the secret of how to take the ship over. By the way, there's no passwords on anything.
0: (laughs) So, and Lore does that. He gets rid of the Twitch and he gives it to, he he puts it on the unconscious Data. People start to be a little, like, like suspicious because then Crusher, like, Wesley tells uh, his mom that Data mentioned the off switch. And she's like, hang on a second, Data. Didn't you tell me not to tell anyone about that? Right. And he's like, well, you know, if I can't trust my... My fellow officers, whom can I trust?
1: Right,
0: and then then they see that the crystal is approaching, and when Lore talks about how beautiful it is and says, "Isn't it?" which makes Wesley suspicious. Yeah, uh, when when Picard tells Wes uh, tells Data to go to go wake up Lore and question question him about the crystal, like Wesley again, it's like he is so not discreet. He's like in front of him, he's like. I don't recommend that you let that guy near anything.
1: Wesley, just say out loud, hey, I think it's Lore.
0: Or like maybe wait until Lore is not there anymore and discreetly say to the captain like, hey, maybe having someone who looks exactly like one of our officers is maybe something we should be keeping an eye on. If you had any double, especially in the Star Trek universe where doubles are always evil, but they don't know that clearly.
1: Yeah, they should have a whole security protocol just based on that. Like, do you have an evil twin?
0: Yeah.
1: Were they created by the following things? Dimensional jump, transporter, accident, clone. <laughs> just like a whole list of them. And are they evil? And it's all like, it's just a flow sheet that goes to yes. It's like, Yes,
0: yes, yes. Yes.
1: Then please tell us.
0: So they go to check on Data, who they think is Lore. Like, Lore does this weird thing where he, like, turns him on and off and on and off and on and off. And so he's, like, sort of convulsing. Convulsing, yeah. And Lore is like, no, he's getting violent. Get out of here. So Wesley and Riker leave him and then he, like... Kicks him in the head quite violently and opens its tiny little panel.
1: I do remember when I was younger watching that episode and being disturbed by the fact that Data was getting kicked in the head.
0: Yeah, it's not great. He's just it's just like, it's yeah,
1: violent. It's awful. Yeah,
0: and and he he basically he's like, yeah, you want to be as stupid as these. So we see that like when Laura talks about being like human and being superior to Data because he's like humans, he, what he's actually saying is that he is superior to humans and is therefore superior to Data.
1: Yeah, it's it all feeds into that kind of that previous. Discussion around like, how can we trust Lore and why not? And the fact that he's manipulative. And it's, it's this kind of like this ego driven ambition yeah. that is not in data's nature. You know, yeah. data wants to data knows that he has abilities that are superior to humans, but he still knows that there's the many things humans can do that he can't. And that's, that's how we're first introduced to data. You can't yeah. He can't whistle. It's whistling. can't whistle. Yeah. And so it's a complete opposite to, to lore in that sense. Yeah.
0: And in this one too, that's, that's one, that's our introduction to data in this episode is that he can't sneeze.
1: Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, the, the Although crit- I
1: don't know if sneezing is skill. I, yeah. I was
0: just thinking that I was like, would you, is that what you'd want from humanity? be able to sneeze. So the, the crystal entity tries to attack the ship. Lore as Data comes to the bridge and he had told the entity, he was like, when you come, you can recognize me as the machine called Data. So he's like, I'm Data. Back off. These guys are super powerful.
1: Putting on a shell, basically, Yeah, the
0: He comes up with a super weird plan that he's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to beam a tree out into space and then you'll destroy it. And then this massive crystal will be like, whoa, they can take on a whole tree. I'm going to...
1: Better get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I thought like what, when he first said that, I was like, oh, because they're going to say we can provide you with a food source.
0: Right. No.
1: And if they're like, no, we're going to blow. And I, so that made no sense. I was like, why? It was really Yeah, it's a, it's a strange plan. Like it
0: is a fake plan, but the fact that everyone's like, you know what? That sounds like a great... Let's stop the brainstorming session right now <laughs> because yeah. we've got this great, great plan super uncool when Wesley finally stands up and is like, I think that's lore. Picard and Crusher both tell him to shut up. I know this is like an iconic, often quoted line, which is not good at all. People are always like, shut up, Wesley.
1: Yeah, because he's like, and I would like to point out, if everyone had just listened to me from the beginning... (laughs)
0: And it's a thing apparently Will Wheaton has like like if anyone comments shut up Wesley on any any of his like social media it's just like an instant block because he's just had enough of that which like fair enough.
1: Oh yeah I bet you that comes out so often. Yeah
0: but I'm just gonna say that I don't think adults should say that to teenagers. Like, no, it's so no, not I think okay.
1: It's clear that they're annoyed that they feel like they've been played, and yeah. they know that he is right when he says. I want to point out that if people had listened to me, this wouldn't have happened. But d- that frustration is not cool. No. especially they're they're trying. It's coming from people that are trying to help and shape and mold him. They should be like proud that he succeeded, and yeah. he, that if they had listened to him, they literally would not be in this situation.
0: It it makes me it makes me also really frustrated because like Picard is, and we've talked about how like the characterization is not fully solid yet Mm, but like picard is i think even at this point meant to be a character that you know we're all looking up to Mm -hmm. and i don't look up to people who talk to kids like that like
1: no it's one of those things they soften in the character later on we'll see that as the episodes progress this whole idea that picard is He's wise, but the in the earlier seasons he's kind of crotchety, (laughs) and they just like they kind of soften that out later in his relationship with children and young people and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, but we we have to get there. They send security after Lore, and Lore beats up Worf in a turbo lift.
1: Yeah, because as strong as Klingons are, Data and Lore are like super strength androids. Stronger.
0: I mean, we saw Data pinch a gun closed last episode yes yeah. so the crushers little get a little parent child action going to check on actual data and they they manage to wake him up and he deduces immediately what's going on mm-hmm. so lore is in cargo bay cargo, bay, cargo yeah. bay that's where he is and he's basically the idea is when they when they lower the shields to beam out the tree for this amazing plan that the shields will be lowered, and then the crystal will be able to devour all of the life on the on the ship. But as he is explaining this, he notices that Wesley and Doctor Crusher and Data are all spying on him, and he fights them. and He threatens to kill Wesley if Crusher doesn't obey him.
1: He calls him. Isn't he called the Manchild? He's like I'll burn, I'll burn the Manchild alive.
0: Manchild must have meant something very different back then. <laughs> <laughs> like now it's like a, a grown person who right. acts like a kid but And th-
1: runs Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Back then it was like what he meant is this this child who is very mature for his age, although not good at being discreet.
1: I think it was his way of like clumsily saying not understanding the human like growth cycle or something, and just being like, <laughs> I don't know what he <laughs> Weird is. Weird man. He's child. not a child. He's a man child. <laughs> I'm gonna burn him.
0: Pressure leaves. Lore uh, shoots her, so she gets a little bit of fire on her elbow. That's kind of scary. Data manages to best Lore and does a little teamwork with Wesley, turning on the transporter pad right as Data throws him. Throws him. Throws Lore like, Wesley now. Yeah, Wesley beams him into space. And then Picard and Riker and Yar all show up. Data says, I'm fine. So he uses a contraction right then. But that's okay. Oh,
1: I never noticed that. <laughs> Maybe it's because he can now because of the adjustments that were made to his face. I don't know.
0: Maybe. You know, you catch a lot of things when you watch with subtitles on. Maybe I should stop.
1: It's a good way to, to look at the episode more carefully, though.
0: Nobody apologizes in the slightest to Wesley, which, again, nope. I think is not cool. And then that's it. Then the episode is over. And we get another one of your... Uh, those little punchy lines where Picard's like number one have you ever considered if data is more human or less human than we want
1: which what does that mean
0: I good question
1: yeah because I when he said that I was like I don't know what it means exactly is data more or less human
0: I don't know you know
1: I don't know what
0: what I was kind of like with this whole episode I actually had a bit of back and forth thing with myself. Because Lore talks about how one one of the ways in which he says he is superior to Data is that is that he is he's more able to be like humans. So for example, he understands humor, he can use contractions, all of these things. But then he also, he doesn't have the empathy that Data does seem to have, which I would say in some ways is a trait that that I at least like to think of as a human trait. Mm-hmm. But then I was also thinking about this and being like, well, maybe in the people that I choose to surround myself with, I see that trait. But Laura is also like incredibly selfish and incredibly self centered. And I mean, those are also human characteristics. When we talk about like a person's humanity, I associate that with traits that. Data has, that Lore does not yeah. possess. But when when I think about actually, like, what are people like? I would say there are just as many people who are like Lore as there are people who are like Data.
1: I don't know. That's...
0: Maybe that's just <sighs> me being really cynical.
1: And I sad. wouldn't say as many. I would say because I would, I'd like to think... I would like to think that naturally, we are more like data. And I don't know if that's just because of the legacy that Star Trek (laughs) has left in my life, because it it did raise me, basically. I would say that unfortunately, while the best parts of us are empathy, exploration, curiosity, and I, I think that exploration actually is a form of empathy. When sure. when you explore, when you learn, you're trying to empathize with the universe around you, the life that's in that universe, and with yourself, ultimately, as you grow and, and contrast yourself to that that universe that you're exploring. And I don't mean just out in the universe itself, but I mean, you know, in the world around you and, and the people around you. But I think that our those best parts of us are squashed by the economic system that we live in. It doesn't encourage us to really go out, find our best selves, be our best selves, in, empower us with the resources we need to be our best selves. It pits us all against each other. Like, we, we've talked about this before in terms of like how it's it's made to have us all see each other as competition. Totally. pretend that there's a greater scarcity of resources. And then, so to act more like Lore in that sense. Lore is almost more, I would say, sociopathic in nature. Like you, you could almost maybe say that he, if him and Data have almost the same brain, That maybe in this case, he's suffering more from like mental illness.
0: Well, I don't know that I'd say that though, because I feel like a lot of people with mental illness don't act like lore. Like, I feel. No,
1: well, that's. It depends on the type of illness, right? Because if you look at narcissism, sociopathy, like they are classified as mental illnesses.
0: Sure. Maybe, I don't know about in terms of like the number of people. I mean, there are a lot of people who. I don't know about the numbers of people, but I would say the. Because you talked about the system that. That we live in the economic system, but that economic system was created by people. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe there aren't more people or just as many people like like Lore as there are like data, but the influence of the people like Lore is at least as strong as the influence of people like data. Perhaps because those people end up with more power because that's what they want. Yes.
1: Yeah. The system privileges that kind of behavior. Yeah. 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 So,
0: so when we talk about like, it's something that I've been grappling with for quite a while now, but like when we talk about it, especially when I think of, of data and thinking of Star Trek and, and when we use words like humanity, that humanity is always used as like a good thing, but where do we get this idea that humans are inherently good?
1: <laughs> like From Star Trek. <laughs> I think it's okay for us to to strive to that as an ideal that This is what we want this to be what humanity is. And that if we structure a society in this way, where people's needs are met, where we have these ideals around exploration, but also interconnectivity and interdependence, that that's that's what we could be, that we have that raw potential.
0: Yeah, I think seeing it as aspirational makes a lot of sense. I I just think that there is a certain, I mean, it kind of connects to like when this happens a lot in, I, I mean, we see it in the States, but I think it happens in Canada too, when like their horrific acts of violence and then you'll Mm -hmm. hear people saying like that's not who we are that's not who americans are that's not who canadians are and it's Mm -hmm. really important that we recognize that no that is just as canadian or american or whatever as the best of your people like you can't say like that this thing was separate from us when these horrific acts of violence come from the same world that we are creating and the same capitalism for sure and colonialism and white supremacy and and all of that and so i feel like that with humanity as well when we talk about if, if, we, if we're gonna claim that like humanity is inherently good i think we also have to talk about that it is inherently not good at the same time
1: well maybe this goes back to picard's point maybe this is what he was trying to say when he asks like have you considered if data as more or less human than we want our data and lore i mean obviously they're not real. <laughs> but, but i mean they're they're meant to be more uh you know allegorical of our own nature but could they be anything other than what they've been programmed to be hmm. you know is lore just a function of his programming cuz this nature versus nurture and and data data argues that that's not the case that that he can expand beyond his programming yeah. and beyond what they are yeah. so in that sense i think data is saying that having that aspiration and, and aspiring toward that as an ideal is also what makes us that ideal right then if we say like if we hold up humanity as this positive we probably have to do both we have to look at the aspiration and the goal we also have to be aware of our of our baser natures and ones that can lead us to to succumbing to just ambition like raw ambition and and ego yeah. and, and jealousy and all these things that that lore is
0: yeah i think that's that's the thing we we have to recognize that within ourselves we can't just say that that's something else and the people who do that are different from us because then we're not able to we're not able to do that growing and i think not so much in this episode but without getting spoilery i think well i think it's okay to say we haven't seen the last of lore um but but i think one thing that that is really important in data's growth is that he sees the potential in himself to turn out like lore and he chooses to not do that yes that ultimately is what I think what people need to do is we need to see our potential for good and our potential for for not good. And we need to choose the one that's good. Of course, we're all going to have different definitions of what good is. So it's a little more complicated than that. But it is, as you know, Spider-Man and Superman like to teach us, it is our choices ultimately that impact the world, right? It's what, yes. we, what we choose to do with our power. It's not just who we are inherently Couple of fun facts.
1: <laughs> oh, fun! Fun facts with Ruthie.
0: Yeah. So apparently they had a totally different idea for this this episode. The writers.
1: Okay. Apparently yep. they
0: were gonna find like a a woman android who was gonna be like a love interest, and it was Brent Spiner's idea to have it be uh, a double instead. A double. Have it be like an evil twin situation, and the director, who was the director again, uh, Rob. Rob Bowman was mm-hmm. supposed to direct some other episode, and then they gave him this one. And apparently, no one thought this one would end up being very good. So he like he and Brent Spiner like met about, it, and they were like, "Okay, no, we're gonna make this a really good episode." And I think they did.
1: This is one of the episodes from the first season. I'll go back and watch yeah. over and over again. Yeah, yeah it, this is a really good episode, and it introduces Lore, who who goes on to to be an interesting character in other episodes. Yeah, so we might see him again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of With the First Link. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice.
0: Our cover art was created by Nathan Nunn, and you can find more of his work at nathannun.ca. Our theme song is An Amazing Adventure by Flame Lion Studio. You can follow us on Instagram at firstlinkpod, or send us an email at firstlinkpod at gmail.com, and please let us know how you think the timeline of this episode works. I'm Ruthie.
1: And I'm Matthew. And if you have an evil twin, please password lock your computer.